Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Mile Love of Golf podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. It does mean the world to me. Wherever you're sitting around the world, listen to the Mile Love of Golf podcast. I really do appreciate it. This week's episode is with a young man who's been on the podcast before. Yes, it's Jamie Darling, all the way from Scotland, and we're talking about his wonderful project, The Lynx Diary. Now, Jamie is one of four young men in Scotland who are building something what what I think is very significant in the world of golf media in The Lynx Diary. If you haven't checked it out, jump over to linksdiary.com. It's a great coffee table style journey. Think Caddy Magazine, think The Golfer's Journal, and you get a sense already of what The Lynx Diary is about if you haven't already checked it out. So go on, please do check out The Lynx Diary. Jamie, Graham, Kenny, and Stu, you're doing a wonderful job. I really appreciate everything that you've done to support me. And uh, this is my way of trying to help spread the word of The Lynx Diary to the listeners of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks for checking the Link Diary out and enjoy the chat. Jamie Darling, welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Ross. Thanks for having me on again. It's, uh, it's been a while. It has been a while. I was looking back through the previous episode that we did it goes back to almost one year ago to the day it was a week really almost a week in a week's time it was the 21st of uh, may last year so time flies when you're having fun and you know i think you've been having fun although you know it's no secret that we've all been through a challenging time and you know that's uh we don't need to tell everyone what we've been doing but i think you've been having fun creating some wonderful new golf related content now let's let's get into talk about that but firstly you know what's happening over there in scotland for you mate what's the the lay of the land like in a golfing sense the country you know i've got my family over there as you know and i speak to them regularly how's it been for you well to start off with um you know now that we're starting to move out of lockdown number two or number three i mean can't even count how many lockdowns we've had now but we're starting to move out of it now and uh, we've been very fortunate in scotland um, compared to maybe other parts of the UK and maybe other parts of the world, that golf has continued. So we've managed to get our fix of golf through lockdown, which has, you know, for many people, been you know a godsend. Um, for me, unfortunately, my golf club sits out out with my region where I live. So the only downside is you can't travel uh, outside of your region. So I'd missed uh, a lot of golf during the the winter break, but. Now, the last few weeks it's eased off, we can now go and visit our golf club, so it's great to get back out there and and swing the club, that's for sure. It was interesting for me to watch the differences in how Scotland versus England handled golf and no golf. Here in our lockdown, and I think I would say the same, you know, it was one, two or three, we we had a small one, a big one, and then a five-day one. Um, But in, in that time, we weren't allowed to play golf. There was no golf. And, you know, this five kilometer sort of radius you know your region sort of thing was was talked about and there was a massive uproar of why we couldn't play golf you know being that it's obviously a safe sport to play and yeah. the, the government made the decision that there's no golf they didn't want people traveling around how did how did they actually police it that you wouldn't go outside of your area i think that was just really down to the golf clubs and the yeah. golf clubs did police it for yeah. us they did um you know, if you were a member at a golf club in a different area, you know, and you tried to book, you'd be refused because obviously in the modern day, everything's done through online bookings. and So so they can see your address. They, they know where you live. So um, I'm sh- I'm pretty sure there's probably many people that have been caught out do- doing it. Yeah. Um, but the, the golf clubs policed it very well. And and I think most members, certainly my, I was, underst- I was uh, very understanding that I couldn't play golf and, I wasn't looking for any money back or anything like that through the membership. You know, it's just it's strange times. It's unforeseen times, you know. So the last thing you want to do is uh, jeopardise your golf club's income by, I guess, being selfish. So, uh, But it was policed well. I think the golfers in Scotland were so pleased that they had the opportunity to continue playing with, albeit most of the time it was in a two-ball. But um, certainly there was no statistics or anything coming through that, you know, it was the spread was getting any worse by golfers. So... Yeah, I think we were just very lucky and fortunate that we were able to play golf when we could through that pandemic. Well, it's such a big part of the culture and not the history, but you know, everyone plays golf. It just seems to be like uh, golf is just part of what you do, and you know, it's one of the few countries that I've been to where you'll likely see you know a young fellow, young girl walking along the streets with their golf clubs on their back, you know, in, in the middle of the city, getting a bus to the golf. So 
uh, it was good to see that. It was interesting to see that the you know, the people down south weren't able to, and I felt for them, those guys, you know, greatly. But uh, it's all back up and running now. And it's much better yep. over there now, right? So, and you're coming. It's great because you're coming into the summer, and you've got the best summers. Well. I say that I'm thinking about what I'm saying there. The best summers, you know, you do get a little bit of it does get a little bit rain, rain and cold during the summer, but the light, the daylight available to play golf over there is phenomenal. We have daylight saving, daylight saving as we call it, and we have the later sun. But when can you play golf to in Scotland? What time? Um, and if, I mean, if you go as far north as the Highlands and the, and the you know the, the very tip of the country, you could probably golf to close to. 11, half past 11 at night. Where I, where I am based down sort of the southwest, you could probably golf till about half 10, quarter to 11 on a very good clear night. And, um, you know, I'm so fortunate to play my golf in the West Coast because we do get the most incredible sun sunsets in the, the West. You know, I call them whiskey kids, guys. For those of your listeners that don't know the West Coast of Scotland as well, there's a beautiful uh, island called the Island of Arran and the sunset's just below it. And it creates this majestic sort of whiskey colour sky. So it's such a great time to play golf in the evening here in Scotland. So, and we are getting to that time of the year. I think last night it was about 10 o'clock when it started, the light started to go down. So it's nice, you know, you can have your dinner, you know, spend a lot of time with the kids, and then you could almost go and tee it off at 8 o'clock and get easily 9, 12 holes in. So we are very blessed, that's for sure. Well, and that's the thing that I remember and like about my trips over there and, you know, missed our trip last year and I can't wait to get back there and uh, catch up with you guys. Now, as I said in the introduction, the Lynx Diary, I want to have a bit of a deeper dive into that. We touched on it last year when we when we spoke and I, it was just at the really early stages of the, the concept becoming reality. But, yeah. you know, take us through what's happened since that last May to now. Because I've got I've got two wonderful wonderful beautiful beautiful magazines or, or journals uh, as I'd refer to them sitting beside me. I'd love to see more of more of my listeners and more of the people down here in Australia, you know, becoming familiar and, and subscribing and buying them and getting them shipped down. What happened since May to now? So it's been it's been a roller coaster, really. It's we went into this with our eyes shut, really. You know, for those that don't know the background, it's myself and three friends that. Um, have all come together really basically through social media. Um, we have Graham McCubbin, we have um, Kenny Palace and Stuart Curry. And each of us, I guess, brings our own little thing to the magazine. You know, I, in my day job, it's, it's all about content creation and content ideas through Scotland Golf Tourism. Um, so I guess that's where my skills lie. You know, Stuart Curry's a fantastic designer. I think he actually designed your logo didn't he for the for the podcast absolutely absolutely did so he, i mean he's he's a genius he's a, he's a fantastic designer he's also a very very good photographer so he he's he's the master at pulling the magazine together and making it look how it does um kenny palace is a wonderful writer and he has uh, experience working with brands uh, and graham is you know a really um cool photographer and he's just got a really creative eye so mashing the four of us together just seems to work um, and, and we're quite happy with what we're, we're trying to do. And, you know, I guess if there's one person out there that likes it, it's a bonus, you know. But we certainly enjoy and like what we're doing. So um, the last year's been quite bizarre as well, Ross. It's, you know, we were talking about it the other night that our little golf magazine from from Scotland has reached places like Peru and the Philippines and, yeah. and Russia. Yeah. You know, and it, it just blows your mind and it's like, these people are interested in something that we are creating thousands and thousands of miles away. So it's been a fun journey, and um, you know we just we just hope it can continue to grow. and And really, for us, it's just, it's enjoyment. We love doing it, you know. And that's for me, it has to stay that way. You know, I don't want to do anything in the future unless we enjoy doing what we're doing. So it's been really good fun sourcing stories and chatting to people and and creating the content, which hopefully you know when the magazine arrives in people's doorstep, they'll love it. Did you you knew Graham, so he lives not too far away from yourself. Yeah, yeah. So you knew Graham. Did you did you know Kenny and Stu before, other than outside of social media? Did you know them personally? Yeah. So so I knew Kenny. Um, I knew Kenny. He was um, he was a member at a golf course that that I, I, I was working at maybe a decade or so ago. So I knew Kenny. I knew his dad. They both played out of this uh, Mar Hall and and just outside Glasgow. Um, Graham I'd met a few times just through my work. 
um, seen what he was doing, loved what he was doing, and actually did a few things for my work before we started this. And I think it was through Graham that got the contact with Stuart. So I didn't know Stuart at that point, but Graham had been speaking to him on and off through uh, Instagram. And um, yeah, the, the idea was the idea just sort of organically grew. It wasn't it wasn't one of those light bulb moments, you know. I'd I'd been talking to Graham about it. You know, we talked a lot about how much we love Caddy Mag and the Golfers Journal. You know, two outstanding publications in their own right. But you know, we were thinking, what well, you know, why is there nothing in Scotland? Why is there nothing in the UK talking about you know what, the amazing golf we've got here, but and the amazing characters and and the amazing stories that we can that we can create. There's just nothing there. You know, and we're also a little bit tired of having to, you know, pay shipping and waiting six to, to eight weeks to get the magazines from the States and, and Australia. So I guess we've seen a gap in the market, but it wasn't really based around that, Ross. It wasn't like, there's a gap in the market here. We need to do this to make some money. It was more about just the love of creating content and, you know, good photography and chasing down stories. That's that's what drove us to create the Lynx Diary. And, um yeah, we've, we've now sort of done two two releases, two editions, and we're working hard on the third and the fourth this summer. So it's been quite the journey. So what's your publication cadence? What does that look like? you want to be quarterly or biannual? Or? So we're, yeah, I mean, we're, we're probably going to do it twice a year. Yep. Um, I, I guess because this is not a full-time gig, you know, it's quite surprising when we speak to a lot of people that maybe email in or send messages that, um, they're quite surprised that this is something we do in our part time, mm. um, on our spare time. Sorry, so we we don't want to start turning out publications, like I said earlier on, just for the sake of making money, or or you know, I, I guess just turning out publications that we don't really fully believe in before we 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 launch it to the world. So we took the executive decision to do it twice yearly, and that gave us plenty of time to go out and and do what we needed to do: find those stories, do the photography, create the content. Um, and give us a little bit of time to try to pull together the best magazine we could possibly pull out before we, we release it. So, yeah, twice yearly we'll be doing it. And when you look at those places that you've you've reached, you know, what, what's been some of the feedback you get? You know, like us golfers, we love to give feedback. We love to tell people, you know, that they're doing a great job. What what is what's been some of the nice uh, bits of commentary that you've had come back? It's 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 been it's been surreal, really. It's we've had you know comments from. I mean, we're talking, talking a moment ago about where the magazine's been reaching, you know, places like Peru, Argentina, Philippines, Australia, New Zealand. A lot of our um, readers come from the US. Yeah. You know, obviously the US love Scotland um, and they love the stories from Scotland. So, you know, I would probably say about 50% of our, our, our sales go to the US, in all honesty, which is, again, very flattering because... You know, we've never marketed to the US. We've never marketed anywhere. We've only marketed on Instagram. Um, so the the response people have been giving us and the the kind words have been really quite humbling. You know, it's and to, for us, it's it makes all the difference. You know, we you know, we, it, we put a lot of love and effort into it, and you know, to get that feedback from people, uh, we had one guy recently in um, Germany that got in touch with us and. He's bought the first two magazines, first two editions, and he's now planning to come over to, to Scotland and he's going to be playing some of the golf course that we wrote about. So your likes of your golf bees and um, Fraser Burrows, all of these, these sort of golf courses that maybe are not so much familiar with people when they think of Scotland, which is great because these golf courses are really the heart and soul of Scotland. You know, And that's not to take anything away from the big guys. You know, The big guys do a great job. But the big guys, you know, everyone knows about them. Mm. They don't know about these little small hidden gems or they don't know about the greenkeeper that's the only person at the golf club that looks after the golf course. These types of stories out there. So it's, you know, it's, it's great to hear the feedback from people saying that love the magazine. I'm now thinking about taking a trip to Scotland mm. and I now want to go and visit these places you've written about. You know, for us, that's so humbling and amazing. Well, Lynx Golf is Lynx Golf and I don't, you know, I, it's hard, it strikes me that anyone could challenge the concept that any Lynx golf is bad golf. So, you know, when you're highlighting places like Fraserburgh and Cullen and, you know, Merker and Monofeith and all those places, yeah. you know, they're wonderful, wonderful golf golf experiences. I haven't played uh, 
I haven't played any of those either, but um, a couple on, on the coast of Fife there that we spoke about last time, you know, London Links and and that sort yeah. of thing, which which not a you know it's a I think London um, is a British Open qualifier at one stage. I think Brad Faxon might have qualified for the Open there, but it's not the one that's on the tip of everyone's list. So I, I, I so I put it in that sort of category, and I, not a better golf experience, you know. Like yeah, okay, you can go up the road and play at the big ones, but mate, that's proper 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 golf, proper links. Oh, absolutely. It's, and you know what? The, the, we, I think we're starting. I guess I, I see this a lot from my day job. You know, I think we're starting to see, see this trend. And I guess you could say the new age golfer. You know, the golfer that we've talked about this before, uh, Ross. You know, that loves the single strap bags. You know, loves the bespoke, um, independent head cover makers. And you know, th- yeah. these guys that really are into the independent brands that are looking for these off the beaten track, authentic experiences. You know, they, they might not necessarily want to pay the 200, 300, $400, you know, round the golf, you know, and in Scotland, we're very blessed that we have these places that you can play golf for peanuts. You know, one of our favorite spots is Dunaverty. You've probably seen us harp on about it quite a lot in social media. Yeah. I mean, Dunaverty is, you know, 20 minutes from Macrahanish and the Mullican Tire on the West coast of Scotland. It's twenty pounds for a game of golf. It's twenty pounds to play eighteen holes mm. of majestic, untouched, raw links golf. And for me, that's what it's all about. It's about discovering these places where you just go. That's just blew my mind. I paid twenty pounds to play this golf course that has cattle roaming about the fairways. There's electric fences around the greens, and you just feel that you're you're taken back in time to where it all started. And um, I, I guess that's where we've that, that's where we've we want to shine the light on more than, you know, the big ones, to be honest. It's worth, you know, once again, I've not been over to Mull of Kintyre. Yeah, I want to go over there and do that and play uh, Macrohanish and, you know, meet up with uh, Robbie Wilson and, and those guys because they're just, you know, like yourselves, they're just gems of that area. And to see those courses and see those guys, you know, play that every week, you just think you just want to go there and it's going to be worth the time investment, you know, for, to get a 20 quid round, that's, that's, you know, 40 bucks and it's worth the time investment uh-huh. to get around there. Speaking of, you know, places like that, you've had a number of contributors. So in the second edition, you know, a number of new contributors, you know, Jim Hartzell is, is one, the name that comes to bear. And yep. he, did he write about Dunoverty? Did Was it Dunoverty? Or oh, Macrohanny said he wrote yeah, about Yeah. So, so Jim, Jim is an international member at Dunoverty yep. and, um, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to the day that we can actually meet Jim in person because he's he's really bought into what we are doing and and he's been a huge help. Um, his stories are fantastic. His his writing is amazing, and yeah, he's just got a real passion for for all things Scotland. And I guess he's got a real passion for all things that are sort of hidden Scotland rather than you know the mainstream. So he's an international member at Dunaverty and wrote a wonderful article. You know how he discovered it. Uh, playing golf at Magrahanish and um, I can't remember if it was a starter or a caddy or someone at Magrahanish saying, you know, skip another round at Mac Dunes and go down to Dunaverty. Mm-hmm. They'd never heard of it. You know, so that afternoon went, drove down to Dunaverty, played it, loved it and has become a member, you know, and, and he can't wait to come back. He actually has a little, in his yard, his back garden in the States in Alabama, he's created like a 20 yard hole. Uh, and he's at the moment, he's manicuring his green. He has a bench that has Cruden Bay sign on the bench, like the one in Cruden Bay. Uh, and he calls his little one hole, 20 yard hole, Royal Western Avery, <laughs> which is great, you know. So, yeah, Jim's been a, a huge help to us. And, you know, we have Murray Boggle, who's a, a guy that's based down in Presswick, who does a lot of writing for us. He's a friend of mine, and he's, again, a wonderful writer. Um, he also looks after the, the copywriting at the end of it all. He checks it through and makes sure that everything's grammatically correct. Um, we've had some wonderful photography con- contributors like Stu Kerr, you know, our, our mutual friend. We've had uh, Ross Cooper, who's a wonderful young photographer up in the Highlands that's done some stuff for us. Um, yeah, and and it's just growing. You know, we are now starting to get more people reach out to to want to put um, articles in the magazine. So it's um, yeah, it's it's just how we manage that going forward, so we can get the best articles and the best photography to go along with it. Now I've got here number two. There it is. You sent yep. you sent it to me, and I Stuart was very um 
I showed Stuart before he received his copy. He was he was he was he was angry at me for showing him before he got to see it. But I got him, I got him to sign it. And what I'm going to do is give a couple away uh, on the back of the this podcast and getting to talk to you. I've got a couple of signed Stu Kerr uh, issues here, oh, which, which I'm going to give away to, to some of my uh, listeners that might might be interested to um, receive something from from yourselves uh, via Stuart and signed by him. Um, but when I flick through number two, you know, I actually get quite emotional by it, by it because, and very proudly so, because, you know, some of the, the, the pictures and the people in here I've actually had the opportunity to meet. And, yeah. and uh, you know, like there's Jack, there's you know, Stu and Jack, and, you know, Stu's dad Jack is um, just a, a, a nice, a nice, nice man. And, you know, you can spend time in, in Jack's company for, for hours just, uh, you know, chatting golf and chatting, you know, his life in, in Adelaide from, you know, from before in Glasgow. Uh, but also Boris, you know, Boris is in there from, you know, the Jack White putting school. You know, I, I had hours worth of uh, conversation with Boris when I was last in, in Gullen down there talking about, you know, the history of Hickory product and, and he took me through how he puts the whipping on and the waxing and all of that. And it was just fascinating that he, he gave me yeah. that time. Um, I had to drive past three times because he was shut a couple of days and then open a couple of days and shut a couple of days. But, uh, you know, I met a guy on, how did I find out about him? I met a guy on the the range at Craigie Law and he was hitting hickories and I straddled up to him. I said, I'm interested to have a look at your clubs and it was American accent. And he said, you need to go down to, down to see Boris down there and tell him that I um, sent you. He showed me his towel that had his name on it. And he said, that's my name. And I went down there and it was just great. But Boris is in there. Ducky's in there. Yeah. Um, wonderful, wonderful people. And that's what makes the golfing <laughs> landscape in Scotland so fascinating because yeah, it's I not think, just golf, it's people. Right, yeah. people. It's, and it's, and it's, you know, the, the people are very important for our stories in the magazine. You know, number three that we're working on just now, we've got some amazing stories that are, you know, we're, we're, we've got a story about the lone greenkeeper in Durness. So there's a young guy, I mean, he, he must be early 30s, and he's the only greenkeeper at, at the golf course. And for those that don't know anything about Durness, it's a little nine-hole golf course in the, the most northerly part of Scotland. I think it might actually be the furthest north links in all of Scotland, so if any, you know, for for, the, for your listeners, uh, hop on uh, Google just now and type in Durness Golf Club, uh, and just have a look at that place. But you know, it's interesting enough. You know, you've got one guy out there that's the only greenkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, we just thought, what a great story! Um, and the people are really important to us. You, you know, Ducky very well. You know, he's quite a character, and you know, telling that story of his background in golf, and we just feel that that's what people are interested in reading. Well, certainly what I'm interested in reading and um, there's so many of those characters around Scotland uh, and, and our job over the next few years is trying to unearth them and tell those, those stories. It's it's interesting to me since getting to know Malcolm and, and visiting there and staying there. I took my dad there for dinner, introduced him to Malcolm and you know, not surprisingly to me that they both knew someone through the wine industry in common, yeah. so that was nice. But in, in coming back and starting to talk about that trip and, and different parts about Scottish golf. There's so many Australians that I know that have been on trips around East Lothian that have been there that have had these wonderful experiences and, and yeah. know, now now I've connected with them via Malcolm, you know, so to speak. And, yeah. uh, you know, otherwise I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known. But uh, they remember having a pint in there and Malcolm offering to take them to show them, you know, one of his courses and that sort of thing. And it's just – and he does it without – Without even thinking about it in many many respects, and it's just it's just a wonderful yeah. way of way. He, of he loves it. He loves it. He's a people's person, Malcolm, yeah. and uh, he loves to be around people. Ollie Neglerio, uh, yeah. Did he so Ollie's from... a good friend, and um, and obviously, as we know, a wonderful photographer. For for those of you who don't know, Ollie obviously does a lot of the stuff for TaylorMade, creates all the content for TaylorMade, and he's a genius behind the camera. And he took some incredible shots of Boris's place in East Lothian. You know, some of the shots are just you look at them and you want to go. Yeah. You know, you want to just jump in the car and go to Boris's and, and, and hire a set of hickory clubs and go and play Cospindy. Um So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing for us, you know, to have guys like Paul Neglerio and Christian Hafer contributing to the magazine. You know, when you're talking about some of the best in the game that are, you know, allowing us to use their photography to showcase, you know, Scotland in its best light, it's, uh, it's a dream come true. Um, and it's nice to call these guys friends as well. Yeah, well, they're, they're great, great craftsmen, um, and you know, become very, very well known in in the. Yeah, I would think a re- relatively short 
period of time thanks to Instagram and, and thanks to you know guys like yourself creating opportunities for them to showcase and provide wonderful landscapes and the connections through to these um, different people, um, which, you know, had only been to uh, Scotland before coming on one of your previous uh, events that you hosted yeah. up there? It'd been it'd been a few times, um, mainly based around the Open. You know, I think I think Ollie tends to do a lot of the major championships for for mm-hmm. TaylorMade, so mm-hmm. he travels a lot with the guys to do a lot of pre content build up. So Ollie had been a few times. Um, he'd been once in Ayrshire before, I think back in two thousand sixteen, before his visit again in two thousand nineteen. Um, but just a great guy, you know, just. just a, just a great guy and one of these guys when he's here he soaks it all up you know so really easy to get along with easy to work and you know he was just fantastic with us allowing us to use some of those stunning imagery so um, yeah we, we count our blessings we've been very very fortunate to work with so many talented individuals and episode uh, episode uh, volume two you've got a wonderful interview there with Eric now I'm gonna yeah. I'm, I'm gonna buy some smoke up your backside here I'm gonna credit that Eric was Eric was a thing. Eric was big, but Eric really took off when he came to Scotland on one of your other programs. You know the the um, unofficial uh, guide to Scotland program that you were yeah. you champion. You were the, the organizer of. He took off after that, and I, he you know never looked back after coming to Scotland and being blown away by all of the experience. And you know, so you've got a wonderful interview with Eric in there. So what are your outtakes from you know knowing Eric for so long and watching yeah. him grow and, you know, getting the chance to sit down and talk to him. So what, you know, what does Eric think yeah. about Scotland? First and foremost, Eric loves Scotland, so it's it's not a difficult sell to him for anything that's Scotland-based. Yeah. But, yeah, um, Eric was obviously well-known around the golf circles in terms of the Adventures in Golf series with Scratch TV. Um, but at that point, when he came over to Scotland, he he probably was very early on in his own video production stuff. Um, Random Golf Club wasn't a thing at that point. Um, I think I've actually, I think maybe in Australia they had the first Random Golf Club. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we might be able to claim that Western Gales was the very first one because I think we had a five or a six ball that day at Western Gales, which is unheard of. Um, but yeah, so so Eric was fairly early on in his, his own sort of channel and in that sense, I think maybe there was a few videos that he'd brought out, but um, the unofficial golf guide was maybe the first larger series that he'd done. So I guess, I mean, Eric, Eric's a talent. Eric has, as we all know, has lots of talent. He's, um, he's a good golfer. He's a very good storyteller. And um, I guess all we did was provide him the platform to go and showcase what he does best. But yeah, that series really took off. And I think I think it's close to about 2 million views yeah. now, which is quite incredible. And off the back of that, I know that Eric then did some work in New Zealand and some other countries that, that maybe maybe perhaps seen what we had done with them and, and thought, what a great way to showcase your, your golf in your country. So, yeah, so Eric's been a friend since, and um, I asked him if he would you know be willing to let us speak to him about putting a, um, an article in number two. And uh, of course, he said he'd be delighted to do. So we sat down with him, had a, a blather and a chat, really, and like we do. And uh, we created an article out of it, just really sort of getting to know what Eric's all about, what makes him tick, you know, why he loves Scotland so much. And uh, I think if you, if uh, your listeners ever get a chance to read the magazine, you you know, you just have to read a paragraph of what Eric's saying, and you can actually hear him hear him speaking. Yeah. Um, he certainly, he's a thinker. He certainly thinks a lot about his answers. And uh, it was just great to have him involved in number two and we appreciate um, his support in it as well. Do you think uh, that as soon as it's you know more open to travel, and I know they've been travelling a little bit you know, through bubbles with European tour events and that sort of thing, but do you think it's when it's more open that he'll be first on a plane back there? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Ross, if I, if, if I hadn't said I'd been pestering him about season two, it would be an <laughs> understatement. Uh, I, I, think we bo- I think both myself and Eric will, 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 will give you a straight answer of never say never. Right. You know, I think, um, yeah, see, it would be great to have a season two at some point. You know, Eric's now, he's a busy guy, you know, he's, he's, he's he has an empire now, it's like a media empire. So, you know, um, I think, 
when when COVID hit and the pandemic hit, you know what Eric loves to do best is travel, and 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 that was you know knocked in the head. So I'm sure he's got lots of other jobs lined up that 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 take precedence at the moment. But you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure at some point we can we can sit down and start to discuss when, how, and and what. Well, it's very much you know Eric's moved into the random golf club um, space as you mentioned, and not to make this about. Eric, but I'm going to throw a challenge to you. In December 2020, uh, 2019, sorry, when we had the President's Cup here, Eric was here uh, with Stuart and they did a random golf club back at Royal Park, which is a little public nine-hole course in the shadows of the city. Yeah. It's a very basic public golf course. It's like Brunsfield Link sort of, um, you know, like a public course, council yeah. course. Yeah. And um, we had 90 people. 90, 90 plus people playing in three thirty ball groups. So there's there's a challenge for you. When he comes back, you got to beat ninety people. So you said you, you you challenge us by saying that you know, maybe uh, Western Gales was the first uh, RGC. I think the Melbourne one was actually before that in two thousand eighteen. Yeah, I think, I think but, you're right. Yeah, but there's a challenge it's, for you. Not more. That is a challenge. 90, ninety people. Yeah. Sure, there's probably one or two places. Uh, you know, obviously Graham's doing a great job, uh, along with yourself, running that random golf club Scotland um, side of things. So I know Graham's looking to try and create an event fairly soon, and I think he might be doing it at his home course, Royal and Castle, which yeah. is uh, which is an Ayrshire. But um, yeah, that's the challenges. I mean, one thing that Scotland, you know, obviously we have a huge amount of a history, and we also have. We also have golf clubs that like to to um, stick to format and rules. Random golf club could be a tricky one for Scotland. <laughs> Let's just do that. <laughs> but now, you never know. Now you just re well release number one. So I guess yeah, the way that the magazine came out, you had a digital sort of pre-release. People started yeah. to download that, and that was free. And then you sent some people a hard copy of volume number one, and it was. Yeah. Was that like a you know like a, a test you know just just to see it see how yeah. it would print up and all of that? Pretty much, you know. So we 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 released it first digitally. Um, I guess just for our, our own our own feedback to see if people were actually engaging with it and were interested in it. I think we had about four thousand downloads, which is which is probably about the right considering it was free. Um, but we then decided, well, let's. Let's do a small print run. So we did um, 100 limited edition uh, copies that we sent out to friends and and um, I guess influencers as well that, you know, potentially might have, you know, gave us a little shout out. But it was mainly to friends and people within in the industry that, that we felt would be interested to, to read the magazine. Um, and the magazine originally, or number one originally, was quite small. Um, there was probably only about six stories in it. Uh, and it was it was almost like a starting block for us. You know, we, we just wanted to get something out there. Um, after the success of number two, which was a much fuller magazine, I think it was 120 pages or so, whereas number one originally was half of that, we decided to revisit number one because so many people were asking how to get my hands on number one, you know, or, or have I missed out in number one? You know, I think we... I think we confused a lot of people. We started saying, you know, our first print copy number two will be coming out. Mm. People are now starting to ask about number one. So we thought, well, do you know what? We we have to revisit it. We can't we can't release it as it is. We need to add more content to it. Um, we have to make it so it's it's in unison with number two. It's the same page count. You know, it, it, it had to mirror number two, but we didn't want to rush it, so we we took our time with it, and we we looked at other stories that were of interest to us, um, and we finally come up with an additional three stories. Um, one of those stories was a a book that I actually read uh, called One for the Memory Banks, which was by a, an American author called Luke Reese. Um, and for those who don't know, Luke Reese was uh, he used to work for Wilson Sporting Goods, and um, the golf section of Wilson Sporting Goods was based in Irvine in Ayrshire and he spent a lot of time in Ayrshire and he got to to know one of the other Wilson staff members, a guy called Bondi very, very well and uh, this book is all about his relationship with Bondi and he's, he's he, he, his, his love of Lynx golf and after reading the book I was just like, I'm blown away by this book it's probably the best golf book that I've ever, ever read and it just so happened to be that I noticed that the author followed us 
So I managed to get a little bit of conversation going back and forward on Instagram, and I said, listen, we would love to feature a little you know, art, uh, chapter out of your book in volume number one. Um, hopefully it will get some eyes on, on your book, but at the same time, we just think it's a wonderful story and we're all about telling stories. Would you be would you be up for that? Which she agreed to and um, Stuart Curry had some fantastic photographs to go along with it. And so that was one of the stories we added. Um, we were also very lucky and very fortunate that... Um, I know Chris Solomon at Nolan up fairly well and uh, Jim Hartzell's good friends with uh, Tron and Big Randy there and one of our sort of favourite courses up north was Cullen Lynx because it's so unique and we knew Nolan Lane up had been there during the Scotland trip. So Jim said, listen, I could ask Nolan Lane up to, to join write an article about, you know, Cullen, its uniqueness, some of the people up there that they met that are, that are just wonderful people and... Um, you know, we thought that's another great story, so we added that in as well. And that's kind of where a lot of the stories have developed from. It's been, you know, so chatting with people on Instagram or chatting with people that have touched base, and, and it's just sort of grown from there. And that's what we love about it. It's not like we've sort of went, okay, guys, what kind of stories do we need to do? Yeah. The stories have sort of just naturally, organically came, if that makes sense, have come yeah. to us, or yeah. we've sort of read something, or we've, we've spoken to someone and we've just thought, you know, that could make a great story or someone's pitched that great story to us. And so we took our time trying to get a fuller copy um, in play and we finally did. And then we just released it maybe about three, four weeks ago. And uh, the response was incredible. I mean, we, we did a pre-order, I think about 24th or 23rd of April. And in the first two days, we'd sold 500 in two days. My, my phone just kept pinging with, you know, order, order, yeah, order. Yeah. And I was so glad we did a pre-order, Ross, because yeah. I would never have been able to handle 500, pulling 500 magazines together. And one of the other things that people are amazed by is that we all do this in my house, you know, so we order the book wraps, we get the magazines, and myself and Kenny and Graham pack it all <laughs> uh, and then send it to the post office. So uh, it's all done in hand. We don't have any big, publishers or 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 um distribution centers that are doing this for us it's all done by our, our hand yeah so so number number one's been out now uh we're probably three quarters of the way to selling out which is bonkers really um and the feedback we've had has just been incredible you know the, the people that haven't now been able to buy number two because of maybe just been new followers are now saying you know you need to really re-release number two so we can buy a copy so it's it's just been it's just been a really humbling experience and we just love doing it. Yeah. You know, it's just so much fun. When I speak to Will Watt, you know, he's got a couple of his early uh, editions that are sold out and like people have offered him money, like lots of money for edition one, which which I think yeah. he might have the only existing copy left. If he has got that at all, um, he might have the only one, but no, there's no edition ones. And all of the new people that come to Caddy Magazine just take, yeah. I want, I've got two, three, four, and five. I need one. Sorry, mate. I need number. There, there's no more. Yeah. There's no more. So I don't know how that sort of sits with, um, you know, keep. I know that's a hard thing, Ross. It's like you know, it's you know. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Caddy Mag. The the latest one just arrived in the post last week, and it's just stunning. Um, Will does an incredible job. You know, he should be very proud of what he's doing. It's it's it's, it's incredible, and I think I think the one thing that's really cool about you know, Link's Diary, the Golfer's Journal and the Caddy Mag is, okay, we're all in the same space, if that makes sense. You know, we're all sort of creating the same types of stories to a certain extent, but it's completely different. Yeah. You know, and that's what I love about it. That's why, you know, I will always buy Caddy Mag because, to be honest, it's probably my favourite out between Caddy Mag and Golfer's Journal. I just think Will does a fantastic job and knowing a little bit about the background, Will's, you know, had launching this is similar to what we've done, yeah. you know, so I, I kind of like buying from people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, personally, I think there's, there's, um, you know, there's definitely space for, you know, us in that marketplace as well. But yeah, going back to your question about, you know, launching number two again. Yeah, I think, I think it all comes down to being very careful with what we can do as well. You know, we're, this is a part-time business. You know, the last thing we want to do is buying lots of stock for it to sit there. So, we have to be very, you know, we're not ordering, you know, thousands and thousands of magazines. So, you know, if you're only ordering 200, 300, 400 magazines, 
you know, your print run becomes more expensive. You know, if you're ordering a thousand magazines, that print run becomes significantly cheaper. But we will release number two again in the summer. Uh, it'll probably be only a small print run, really just to appease the, the guys that have come in and bought number one and want number two and just not had the chance to, to get number two. So we will do that again. But yeah, our attentions just now are, are fully on number three and number four and creating that content. Number three's just about finished in terms of um, the content we want. So we're, we're, we're at the point now where we're just selecting photography we're out at the moment doing a few different shoots and doing some video creations and productions that we want to sort of tie in with the the stories as well that's one thing that we're trying to build on this year is we want to try and match some uh, short films with some of the articles that are in the magazine so we're busy doing that as well but yeah busy busy just hoping for lots of nice days in the summer to get out there and 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 do the shoots that's for sure what's the time frame to put volume two to bed to creating volume three how long does that take um, play a good few months. Um, I mean, w- w- number three is almost complete. I think we've only got one more story to sort of fit in there. Uh, but at the same time, we've probably we're probably about three quarters of the way through number four. Um, the, the time frame really c- consists of May to September when we can get out and do the imagery yeah. for it, or or we can you know ask our contributors to do that imagery. So when you have an e- an edition coming out in say April May. You know, you, you had to have had all that photography and content creation done the summer beforehand yep. to get there. So, but in terms of sort of pulling it all together, I, I would say that, you know, from the initial idea to launching it, it's probably a good four or five months, yep. really. Um, we try and do it as early as we can, Ross, because we're all a little bit perfectionist in, <laughs> in that sense. We, we don't really want to put something in the magazine that doesn't, read well or doesn't fit well yeah. you know we'd rather wait another month till we found that perfect story to get in there you know and that's one thing that we've all agreed on that we will never give up uh, quality over just trying to rush something out just for the sake of doing it and I guess that links back to the fact that we're only doing it twice yearly we just wouldn't have the time or, or energy or in all honesty I don't think we'd create the same level of content and quality if we did it four times a year yeah in volume two, can I go back to the content in there for a sec? I was talking yeah. with, uh, I just went to Barn Boogle for the first time and yeah. Longbow, but we were talking about one of the courses down at Barn Boogle. There's two courses, Dunes and Lost Farm. And I sort of referred to the Lost Farm course there as a, it's a Corin Crenshaw, but it's a link style. It's on beautiful links, sand dunes. When you come to Australia one day, I'll take you down there and you'll be blown away if you haven't already been there. Um, I was wondering, uh, my thoughts immediately went to Dumbarney, which is mm-hmm. Scotland's newest Lynx course over there in Fife. What, yeah. what is Dumbarney like? I'm, in, I'm curious to know what it's like. It's, I only heard great things and wonderful things about it. Yeah. I think um, I, I was fortunate enough to play it maybe in the first month or two after it opened. Uh, and I was, I was blown away. And so I, I, you know, I guess in my day job, you know, a lot of these big name golf courses is what sells Scotland, you know, and, and Dumbarney, you know, had big shoes to fill in terms of, you know, competing with some of these big name golf courses around Scotland. Um, Clive Clark, who's a designer, I think it was his first golf course in Scotland that he designed and uh, he's based out in Arizona and uh, I'm pretty sure he was an X-Rider Cup player. I should really know this. It's in the article. Um, he was an X-Rider Cup player. And uh, on playing it for the first time, from a sort of architectural point of view, I just loved it. You know, I, I thought it was very clever in the design. It almost was, when you're standing on the first tee, you're looking out down to the ocean. And it's almost like in levels. So you've got the first level, second level. So it's almost like it drops down in tiers. But what it does is it, it sort of opens up with this huge you know, view across to East Lothian and then it takes you sort of down and then it takes you into dunes uh, and if anyone's seen the pictures that we've posted on Instagram, you'll see the kind of dune landscape that I'm talking about. So each hole is almost cocooned with dunes. Um, so in each hole you're on, you feel that you're on the golf course yourself. Mm. Um, and it's not just about that, it's more about 
the design of the holes and the way the holes work through the dunes and the way that the holes give you options. You know, some of them are split into two fairways with a central bunker. Some of the holes are drivable par fours. Um, there's a lot of risk and reward goes on it. And, I, you know, after coming off the 18 holes, I just thought, I can't actually think of another golf course in Scotland that I had to think about, you know, I had to stand in the tee and I had to think about a strategy. Mm-hmm. Um and I and I loved it. Yes, it's a bit raw around the edges in terms of condition wise because it's just brand spanking new. It's, it's you know I was a little bit surprised the Lady Scottish Open will be there this year because it definitely is a little bit raw in places. But it'll be a great test. And I just from an architectural standpoint, I thought what a great golf course. Kenny was lucky enough to play it, as was Stuart and Graham, a little bit later down the line. And we all sort of agreed. We all thought you know. This has got a really cool story. If we could really speak to the the architect and and really dive into you know what it's like to design a golf course in Scotland, you know when you have so many historic links around Scotland and and, and what's your inspiration for that? And and Kenny sat down with Clive Clark over a Zoom call and and uh, he just said he was one of the most fascinating people he spoke to. He's, he was so eloquent in the way he described things and and and. and what golf in Scotland meant to him and what this honour of creating this Lynx golf course meant to him. And um, it's probably not an article they would normally do in terms of like highlighting these big budget golf courses. It's more of a thing to sort of look at, you know, the historical and the, the, the little hidden ones there. But there's something about Dunbarney and Clyde Clark that was quite captivating. Um, and yeah, if anyone has a chance to, you know, if they're coming to Scotland or and they're, they're looking at maybe another golf course in Fife and they've heard about King's Barnes, you know, and, and I do like King's Barnes, don't get me wrong, but Dunbarney for me was just on a different level in terms of, of, of playability. Um, and having played it, now having spoken or having read uh, Clive Clark's details about how he designed it, it's, you, you just get a much bigger appreciation about, you know, how a golf course is built. And it also gets you thinking about how guys like old Tom Morris and James Braid went about designing golf courses back in the day. It's, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of pride in the work that these architects take, that's for sure. But yeah, interesting article and, and, and an interesting place. Another great feature in uh, Volume 1. Now, I've just finished reading a book by Jimmy Barnes. Now, Jimmy Barnes is a Glaswegian, moved across to uh, Adelaide as a young kid, and uh, grew up in Australia and, and formed one of Australia's greatest ever rock bands. Sat sits alongside ACDC as two um, two bands that shaped Australian music that were formed by Scots. Yep. We've got this great article here: the Scots that shaped course design. And you know, if you ever want to know the influence of Scottish people on golf, not only just in Scotland but around the world, just go and and read uh, read some of that. You know, some of these guys that are so well travelled. You know, Donald Ross and. I remember, and, you know, it's only been the last sort of four or five, six years that I've sort of become awoken to what this all means and just getting in touch with my roots and, you know, what golf really does mean to me other than just a game that I sort of rock up and, you know, shoot somewhere between 29 and 34 points each Saturday. You know, and it was reminded of me when I played at the Willie Park, the Park Putter. Do you know the Park Putter? It's a, like a amateur event over in East Lothian on the sort of, yep. you know, and I played in that when I was there a couple of years ago. I was embar- I embarrassed myself, not not just for my golf score. I was, I was actually not too too well at the time, but uh, I remember sitting there going, "Willie, Willie, who who's Willie?" You know, and I, and I might have said Willie Bald. You know, now to me, Willie Bald was a famous Scottish Scottish football player, which I knew very well. And one of the gentlemen popped up and said, "I think you'll find it's Willie Park, and he's very significant around this year. And you'd be wise to find out who he is and brief yourself on that. Should you come back next time, I better I better go and do that." And, you know, I was obviously embarrassed by that. But, you know, then I, then I watched Tommy's Honour. I was on the plane on the way back and Tommy's, yeah. Tommy's Honour was on the plane and it was like it was meant to be there because that was my lesson about yeah. who Willie Park was and you know, Tom Morris. And I, I was just like, oh, I've got, to, I've got to start brushing up my knowledge here because, uh, you know, there's so much more to this. I knew everything about Mercedes-Benz cars and the history of the automobile and all that sort of thing. I decided to apply myself into a little bit more knowledge about around this space. And that article is, is a very, very good one. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, actually, you, you're talking about Willie Park there. There was, um, you know, don't get me wrong, Ross, you know, you're saying there that you needed to touch up your history. A lot of us Scots could really do the same. We take it for granted, you know, it's on our doorstep, it's right in front of us. And, but I know I've got many golfing friends that I could maybe start talking about Donald Ross and, 
you know, James Braden, they probably wouldn't have a clue what I was talking about. Sometimes when it's right in front of you, you, you take uh, less advantage of it. Quick little interesting story about that. Um, there's a guy, a guy called William Lumsden, who he resides just outside Livingston, and it's actually in the town that young Tom Morris's wife was born. And um, he's been he's created a legacy, um, which he has been over the last few years. He's dedicated his life to going into the schools of around West Lothian area and Presswick to teach the children about young Tom Morris and and young Tom Morris's beliefs and how he he was a champion golfer of his day at a very young age and he's been in teaching the kids uh, in primary schools about you know young Tom Morris and old Tom Morris's legacy and um, it's actually quite amazing that you know it's taken one guy you know from a little town in West Lothian who worked at Steelworks. Uh, he quit his job to to, to really to do this um, charity. Um, he got the backing of old Tom Morris's great great granddaughter um, Sheila Morris, I think her name is, who still lives in St Andrews to this day. And he's been in educating children about you know our golf roots and our history. And it, it actually baffles me that schools in Scotland aren't taught that. You know, it's 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 ultimately our national sport. You know, Scotland is where golf has began. And it's taken one man to go into the schools and educate children about our golf history. It's it's, it's mind-boggling. So, yeah, I mean, us Scots can take it for granted as well, Ross, that's for sure. Yeah, and even for me, the understanding of what Leith Links you know, really does mean for the game of golf. Now, Leith Links, yeah. Le- Links to me was the place where I went and kicked the ball with my uncles in 1981. And to know that that's where the original rules of golf, you know, were, the rules were, yeah. were, were transpired. There's another article in episode in volume one about that as well. But uh, you know, and it's where my I'm a dad grew up in Leith, you know, and so I've I've you know got this wonderful newfound appreciation. Which I, anyone, you know, you're doing a great job to help everyone understand that, which is good. Um, let's go a bit commercial for a second. You've got uh, I'm looking at you on Zoom for the people listening. Uh, you've got a, a wonderful hat on there, Link's Diary, yep. a bit of merchandise. How did the merch, yeah. how did the merchandise presale go? The magazine presale went well. How did the merch presale go? Yeah, the merchandise. Hmm. Um, the merchandise really came from the fact that we were dying to get our own hats just for <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> but we soon realised that uh, that was not cost effective just to try and buy four hats with your logo printed on it, um, which we you will know being in the the commercial world, Ross. It's um, yeah. So we had to make a minimum order. Um, and there was, unfortunately, there was nowhere in the UK actually doing, you know, the kind of hats that we were looking for, your rope caps and your dad caps and stuff. I guess the sort of new age golfer type cap that you're seeing rocking on Instagram every day of the week. And um, yeah, we had to we had to make a minimum order. So we thought, well, we're going to have to sell these. <laughs> um, so that went quite well. Yeah, it's not something that we're going to get into, to be quite honest. It's We might do a little run every now and again, just just because we want the hats to be quite frank. <laughs> um, so we we bought the hats in from Imperial Hats in the States. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they, they sold out pretty quick. And there have been a few people asking when the next batch is coming in, but we don't really have a definitive answer. It's just whenever we feel like uh, some new colours or some new uh, uh, styles. So yeah, it's definitely not something that we're going right. to really push. It's all about the magazine for us, but the, the merch side of things, if we can do it, the odd run here or there—that's what we'll do. Okay. Well, I can see a hat. I'd love a. Hat. You know, I'll get a hat next I'll time. I'll send you a hat. No, next time you do a run, I'll buy a hat, and I'll. You know, I could. I can see. I can see a merch line, but anyway, fair enough. I stick to your guns. Um, but back to the commercial side, you have announced that you have a partnership with a pretty substantial um, apparel brand in in Europe and yep. the globe. I'm interested to know about that and you know what you can tell me how those sorts of relationships have transpired you know jay lindeberg what a what a brand i've just started um representing jay lindeberg in the city in in the city and uh, it's been very very successful more so than i thought because it's not the cheapest brand it's a you know high-end apparel brand and it's done really really well for 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 the melbourne people so how did that come about for you yeah, well, I, I, I've been a big fan of Jay Lindeberg for goodness knows since what 1997 when he when he first uh, 
launched his range of clothing with Jesper Parnovic. I still have some of the old Jay Lindeberg belts that they used to have back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, sitting in my wardrobe. So, um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that, from a commercial point of view, the Lynx Diary was always focused on being very commercially quiet. We don't want adverts in there. You know, we have been inundated with um, brands that want to place adverts in the magazine, but we've, we've flatly turned it down. You know, it's not something we want to get into. We, we feel strongly that our readership wants to read stories. They don't want to read adverts about, you know, whatever it may be, you know, the latest protein bar or, you know, whatever. Um, but we were also keen that to really sort of push this forward, we probably needed partnerships going forward. One, to help support us financially, I guess, to, to allow us to do some of the stuff that we needed to do to bring out each each magazine. But we also felt that we had a you know a good platform and that we could showcase that their brand to the audience in a soft manner. Um so we what Jay Lindeberg came along and um that was really I guess through a couple of the guys followed us on on Instagram. Um they obviously liked what we were doing. It was one of the brands that we had sort of earmarked that we would love to be able to try and build a relationship with and see where it went. So we reached out to to Rob at, at Jay Lindeberg in, in the UK and yeah, I think he was, you know, pretty happy and pretty pleased and pretty supportive of what we were trying to do and, and maybe seeing us as a great opportunity to work with and spread the word for <clears throat> Jay Lindeberg. Um so we were very, very fortunate to to, to sign up a one year sponsorship agreement with them um, so we'll help write some editorial stuff for them uh, they'll also have like a two or three page spread in, in the magazine but it'll be much more focused on a story than it will be just you know here's the the, the, the fall range it'll be much more story based um, and yeah we, we were obviously very cautious about it because we just didn't want to come across that we were suddenly you know cash hungry or we were looking for you know big budget sponsors to come in and then suddenly the, the ethos of the magazine would disappear. That wasn't the case at all. And Jay Lindeberg had been very supportive in the direction that we want to try and go in. You know, obviously when we're out there doing filming or we're doing photo shoots, we will be in Jay Lindeberg gear. So there will be that soft sell in there. But we'll also look to, to, to tie in a few different stories with our links notes and stuff around golf fashion. Something that myself and the boys are really into. You know, we, 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 we like we like the fashion side of golf. We like to express ourselves in the golf course. So we want to write about some articles, maybe some young um, young people that are out there on Instagram that are doing great things in the fashion world. And and um, we, we did a, a recent links note for a guy called Chris Colick, who's a kind of skateboarder yeah. slash golfer that's just got back into golf. And he's one of the sort of new age, modern type golfers that, that, that wants to look stylish on the golf course as well. So that, that's a story that's close to our hearts because, you know, that's what we want to do. We, we want to be dressed well we're out in the golf course. So that partnership with um, Jay Linderberg has been great so far and we just hope to develop it and, and keep us going. And the support that they've given us has been fantastic. So they're a great brand to work with and uh, we just love their stuff. So it was a win-win for, for us. Kenny certainly embraced the uh, partnership very early doors, mate, and he's right into it. You can see that by his uh, Instagram postings yeah kenny's the model out the group so <laughs> we just put we put him in the clothes as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh very good very good well do have one other question now this one here uh number one that you sent me with the in the pre the pre-release it says in the back which i may not have noticed before how many of these did you make a hundred did you really send me number one you got number one i didn't I didn't realise that until I'm sitting here thumbing through it. Yeah, so there's only 100 of those in circulation. In fact, there's only 50 of them in circulation because I've got the other 50 in my bedroom. <laughs> you sent me um, number one. So, we, yeah, we sent, so we sent... To, we basically sent to friends and industry industry people that we've, we've had relationships with in the past. And, um, you know, the 50 that we've got, the 50 that I have in my bedroom will stay there, you know, so that will only be given to people that we, we want to give to. And, Although it's a much more condensed um, magazine, you know, it's quite nice that you've got one of the first original ones that were that we ever did. So, well, I'm I'm once again, I guess, embarrassed a little bit, but but I didn't notice that because I've looked at that picture on the back there a number of times. I probably photographed it 
and you know reposted it at some stage, and I didn't ever pick up that it was limited edition number one of one hundred, and you sent it to me. I didn't. I honestly didn't know that, and I feel I'm very emotional about that. Thank you very much. No worries at all. Uh, listen, we we love. We've talked about this before, Ross. We love what you're doing, and you know, I think I've said this many times to you. I listened to about three podcasts, and one of them's yours. Um, the, the podcast space is so oversaturated now that there's so many of them are just doing it for the sake of doing it. Whereas what you're doing, what the likes of Cookie Jar Golf doing is, you're, it's you know, you're doing it for the love of doing it. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess that's where it reminisces with us for Link's Diary. What you're doing in the podcast circle is similar to what we're doing in the publication circles. We're just doing this because we love doing it. Yep. Yeah, there's no, that's what it's about. there's no money here and uh, no sponsorship and that sort of thing. And that's not to say that there never could be or won't be, but um, I certainly have the same sort of mindset as you that, you know, and I talk to my other podcast partners in the Mental Mastery podcast and the Golf Rules Questions podcast and, you know, I'm sort of the calming voice around that because I think um, they'd like to get free this and this and this and this. I said, look, you know, you, you really just want to temper this and, and whatever you get involved with, has to be for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, so good, good, good things always come your way if you're passionate about something. It's, it's, um, yeah. It's, there's so, it's, it's so easy to get sucked into, you know, getting stuff sent from brands to, to push it, and you know that's not what you're about. That's not what we're about. And and I always feel that when when you put your passion, your your love into something, that whatever's meant to be is going to be from it. Yep. You know, and and um. You know, and, and and I guess from our perspective, it's never losing sight of that. It's yeah. always making sure you stick to your beliefs and you stick to what you're doing because if you're doing it well, you get rewarded at the end of the day. And I, my reward for Lynx Diary is, is it's not financial. My reward from the Lynx Diary is, one, dressing up as a nice Jay Lindbergh gear now, <laughs> and two, just the comments and feedback you get. You know, all the hours of graph that you've put, put in in your spare time, for people just to send through absolutely loved it it's fantastic when's the next one out it's like thanks very much it's, that's, that's all I need yeah well, and I'm going to say three three should be and I'm sure it is in, already in your mind but the legacy that you'll create and you know one day down the track when we're even older than we are now we'll be sitting somewhere down there maybe at the Lion Inn or whatever that and you'll have a whiskey and I'll have a sugar free iron brew and, uh, and we'll reflect on this conversation we'll reflect on however many volumes are out there and you'll go, you know what, that's, that's there forever. And that's the fact it's there forever. Yep. And the future generations of golfers from Scotland and all around the world will always have from this point forward, however many volumes it creates that to have that for them to, yep. to read. So that's a legacy that's you know priceless mate. And well done. Many thanks Ross. Scotland where golf began the Instagram page. That's still firing along. Yeah, we we just um, we've just launched. We haven't launched that. We had a soft launch. We've just launched the website, so we now have a national golf tourism website, which is the first time in Scotland's history it has a, a full golf tourism website completely devoted to golf tourism. Um, Visit Scotland obviously is is the main um, marketing agency, I guess, for for Scotland, which features golf. But our website is fully golf only so that's scotland where golf um so anyone thinking about a golf trip to, to scotland can can certainly um have a look through the website we have a, a really cool magazine section on it which has editorial pieces um uh, short films podcasts we, we we work closely with a friend of a friend of ours Rue mcdonald at scottish golf podcast so we're going to be doing some exciting stuff with Rue this year as well um yeah and we're hopefully just continuing to try and deliver that um, great messaging from Scotland to the world that, that you have to come visit at some point. Well, mate, I think uh, I think I've taken up enough of your time, and you know that's a that's probably a good a good place to leave it at. On you know, check out that website. Where where else can everyone check out the Link Story? You've got the linkstory.com. dot com. Yeah, linksdiary.com. So we have the website up and running now. Um, you can find us. I mean, most of our, as most people uh, I'm sure will, will know, will be on Instagram. So just uh, linksdiary on Instagram as well. That's where you'll find us. Still some volume twos to, and volume ones. To, can you still buy volume two and volume one? Yeah, so volume ones is still, I think we have about 200 left. 
in volume two, we're looking at probably July time. We'll do a little restock again. Uh, so we might do a little restock to two, three hundred or so yep. uh, for anyone that, that, that didn't get the chance to get it the first time round. So um, the, the 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 chances are that um, once we do that little restock in July, that'll be it. I guess a little bit like Will Watt that has yeah. done with his number one. So uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. All right, mate. Well, I appreciate your time. I can't wait to, no, uh, to catch up, get across there and have a game of golf with you down at uh, where's your home course? Is it uh, Dundonald? Dundonald. So yeah. I play down at Dundonald. Tough, tough, tough links. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, you, you know when you're you've shot high seventies round there, you've done well. Yeah. <laughs> For me, anyway, it's it was, a tough track. It was uh, my first. First game of golf in 2016, I played at Dundonald and it, I found it tough. Some beautiful holes there. Have they finished the clubhouse yet? The clubhouse uh, should be finished by November and they're just in the moment building lodges uh, for accommodation. So they did a, they, they shut down the winter for about six months and they brought in Kyle Phillips, who was a designer, who designed um, King's Barns as well in Scotland. And... They changed a few of the holes and they re, uh, revetted the bunkers and things. So they've done a lot of work in the winter time. So you know, by this time next year, it'll be almost like a mini resort in Ayrshire. So it'll be, it looks fantastic. The lodges, so, yeah, lots of golf there. It's great. Lodges look great. Really nice design. Yeah, lodges yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah they're, they're going to have um, they're going to have almost like little crescents or avenues where you'll have maybe four lodges, um, and then each each. A little section of lodges will have their own private putting green, barbecues and things like that as well. So it does. It looks like a a really cool place to stay if you're in that neck of the woods. Check it out, Dundonald Links down there in Ayrshire. Wonderful little part of the world it is indeed, mate. Thanks for your time. No, been a pleasure. Thanks, Ross. Look forward to catching up with you again next time on the mile. I've got. Let's not make it a year, all right? Let's let's make it. Yeah, let's not. Won't, let's not make it a year. All right, mate. I'll see you soon. Cheers.